Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Autosport Podcast. Project Cars 2 is out now. We ask if it's the racing game enthusiasts are looking for. Welcome to another Autosport Podcast game review. Project Cars 2 is out on the shelves now. You can get it for Xbox One, PC, PlayStation 4. So we thought it would be a good time to have a look at the game and what it offers to the Autosport reader who is probably looking for a more immersive and realistic racing experience than perhaps the average gamer. So joining me, I've got Glenn Freeman and Tom Errington to talk us through the game. So Glenn Freeman, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about Project Cars 2. Project Cars was a bit of a, a sleeper hit, wasn't it? It was an unexpected success back in 2015. And I guess this is heavily building upon that very promising start. Yeah, Project Cars as a franchise really was born out of uh, crowdfunding. So it was very much, I think, expected to be kind of a niche product that was built for that community that helped fund it. But it ended up being such a such a huge game that I, I think it's now really on a par or it's in the same conversation as these behemoths we have like Gran Turismo and Forza it's as the guys described it to me when I was writing a feature for it recently it's a mass gaming title now and it deserves to be you know it's huge and there's so much in it for real motorsport fans not just fans of driving games 
the original project cars was very good in areas it's fair to say it was quite uneven and a little bit patchy in places that had strong points and bad points so tom errington how big a step forward is this game well, I think the the key thing with this game is that they they listened to those concerns. Um, obviously, having a background of sim racing and the community that brings, there was a lot of um, talk about things such as when you played it on a gamepad, it was very inconsistent, very difficult to get on top of. And my chat with the guys, uh, it was very much straight off the bat. These are the concerns we heard. This is what we've done to get on top of those. And certainly, a short playthrough of the second one, areas such as the gamepad. Straight away, that's been improved massively. It's far more consistent. And areas as well, you could find yourself in the first project cars going down winding corridors of trying to find this perfect setup and playing around with the minute details not to get it right. And the quite simple fix there is bringing in a race engineer who suggests what you should do and makes those changes for you. And it's really lots of little areas that needed improvement. They've, they've made those changes and now it feels like a clear step up on the first game. Well, before we get too in-depth into those changes, Glenn, can you just give us a bit of an outline of what is in the game? What kind of cars you can do? What kind of circuits? How wide-ranging is it? Oh, where do you start? Um, it's huge. I mean, the first game was massive. And the great thing about this compared to other racing games is they try to almost replicate the real motorsport world and the various ladders you have and the different disciplines. So it's not about getting hold of a a road going Honda Civic or whatever else and having to upgrade it to earn your way to get better cars and that sort of thing, you are presented with basically a a motorsport web almost in front of you and you can choose which discipline you want to start in and how high or low up the ladder of that discipline you want to start. So the hardcore motorsport fans, you are going, whichever discipline you choose, you're going to start at the bottom of it. So you might choose entry-level single-seaters low-level GT racing, low-level tin tops. It's all in there. I think there's Rallycross has been added as well this time. There are eight or nine disciplines, I think they claim. And then it's about progressing through seasons, getting offers from teams to even move around to better cars in the championship you're already in or move up the ladder you're pursuing. And this is all in the career mode. And your career can stall. You can end up having to take a, a sideways step or having to stay in the series that you're in. I think it's all about trying to give a real representation of of motorsport rather than trying to be a driving game. There's not full licenses of particular championships. I mean, we'll get on to the fact that IndyCar is in the game in much more detail this time. But, you know, there are certain licensed cars. So the LMP1 field has some proper LMP1 cars in it. The same for GT racing. GT racing is always well represented in, in these types of games. And it was great in the first game as well. Where you don't have the license, so something like Formula One, there's not a Formula One car, but there is a top-line single-seater car of similar ilk. So it's all there for you, whatever type of racing I think you're interested in. And that brings with it, I'm sure, its own challenges because you can't just focus on getting the single-seaters right or getting the GT cars right. They've got to cater for a lot of different types of racing, which is a big challenge. No, I think I think that's a good point, Larry. It's that... They can't specialise in one area, so it's how do you get on top of multiple. And the thing that impressed me was that they've got seven racing drivers involved regularly steering that direction. So when they wanted to to give Le Mans more detail and multi-class racing, they went and got Rennie Rast and they got Tommy Milner to, to cover the whole field there. And with that, obviously, as we know, LMP1 driving is far more different demands to a GTE car. But having those two there saying okay, well, this doesn't feel quite accurate or the closing speeds aren't quite what it's like at Le Mans. That helps steer. And then adding things like Rallycross to it, 
they've got rallycross drivers that they regularly bring in and ask you know is this feel right is this how an event sort of works and that knowledge base they have there to go with the developers is something that really comes across when you play the game it's interesting this trying to bring a bit more of the real world to racing because one of my constant complaints with many racing games is that there it's is... not like you to complain. Well, no, exactly, exactly not. And in fact, I should add the caveat, I haven't played Project Cars 2 at all, so nobody should bother to listen to me. But one of the things that I find frustrating is when there's just this weirdness about, there are certain assumptions about the way things handle and behave and perform that are just a long way away from the reality. So it's very positive that this has been applied. So how effective has it been in applying that? The big thing I think you spoke about there is what people consider to be simulation and that's a constant challenge for the people making the games because on the most part they are being judged by people who haven't driven these cars and that's why what Tom said about getting the racing drivers involved is so important. One of the big things I think they've achieved here and this comes back partly to the success they've had with making the game more playable for a gamepad is that racing cars, a lot of them, to be fast in them you need to work them quite hard in the corners it's not just about brake late turn hard boot the throttle uh, it was very hard in the first project cars game to to really do anything with the car in the corner if you got it wrong on the way in you would either spin trying to correct it or just run wide or just hopelessly run off track it could be quite frustrating now you've got that chance like you do in, in the real world to wrestle the car a bit more uh, to hustle it you know some of the cars obviously it's not the same with an lmp1 or a single seater where they are a lot more planted to the ground but the gt cars for example you can do a bit more with them in the corner they're more drivable and i think that will allow in online racing for example that will allow the better drivers actually to stand out more because they can do more with the cars um, and show their talents basically so that was a big thing that i found noticeable was that the cars feel more drivable this time and i think that's that's a big plus that came across in the chats i had too there was a a good comment from one of them saying that i think this game's going to make the online racing guys reconsider what realism actually is and obviously me and glenn have talked about this many times one of the the frustrating things you can hear often is well this isn't realistic racing and it's someone who hasn't got the experience to draw on and, and know full well what it's like to drive that certain car so yeah, I'm interested to see how the online gaming community reacts to this game. Um, certainly, those changes I talked about in detail um, very much came across, particularly, as you say, with the braking. Uh, having a go with Virginetta Junior, I kept finding that any sort of fast corner, when I came to brake, the rears would just lock and it would want to go straight. So two laps of getting frustrated by that and pulling into the pits. Then came the suggestion of, well, let's change the, the brake bias. And next time round, I finding I could correct it in the corners at high speed. And it was much more, it felt more realistic because you could work on a car and find a breakthrough that suited you as a driver. I mean, that's quite a nice touch and one of Project Cars' strengths, really. And that makes it worthwhile to have the practice sessions and that sort of thing. It's not just about learning the track or getting familiar. You're using it as it's used in the real world. You know, Tom touches down at Snetterton or wherever and the car's a pig to drive to begin with on the Friday morning. So he's... He's got to sort it out or, or or end up in the barriers. And one thing I found with the first game was people would tell me that certain cars were great to drive once you had them set up properly. And my response to that is always, why why are they not set up properly to begin with? You know, we, we should they should at least be a good baseline to begin with. And it did feel from the cars I experienced when I tried the game that a lot more of them can be driven pretty well from the off. So obviously Tom's given a great example of how the engineer works there to help you refine a car. 
but I don't think you'll have to do that across the board with as many cars as maybe you did in the first game. Yeah, that that was a, a good conversation I had as well, was when they were um, developing the McLaren GT, I think it's a 650S in the game, uh, they had one of the McLaren GT guys come and drive it, and he drove it in the game, and he said that uh, it was quite close and accurate, he said, but it was a, a standard where it was if McLaren had gone the wrong way on setup entirely. So his response to that was, I'll speak to McLaren and get the setup we use. And McLaren graciously gave them the setup for the car. They plumbed it in through the developers and he's driving the car. And he said, yeah, that, that, that's spot on. That's like a car that's ready to go. And I think, as you touched on before, people don't want to spend ages setting up this car trying to get it. If they've got a good starting point, it comes down to personalization then. And that, that's a really great thing to be able to offer. If you jump in a racing car in real life, it will have a baseline setup on it. And it's about just moving things around within that window. It won't. You won't get to a corner turn in and the front just doesn't buy it at all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Autosport was lucky enough a few years ago to get to do a season of catering racing. Um, we were provided with the car and some of the entry fees and that sort of thing. I was lucky enough to be the guy that had to drive it. And at the first test day I did, it had a road going setup on it. So it was just set up to be nice to drive on the road. And it was slow. It was rubbish through the corners. I was way off the pace. And then they put the basic racing setup on it, just what Caterham Cater consider to be the race setup. And people can tune it from there, but that's where, that's where you start. And straight away, it was completely different to drive, a lot better to drive, and it could be refined from there. But yeah, it was a good to drive racing car all of a sudden. And it feels like maybe we've got that step this time with Project Cars. And Tom's given some great examples there of driver input, one that I included in a feature on autosport.com was when Stephanie Hansen was let loose in the Turbo F1 car, which in the game is a Lotus, but he drove plenty of Turbo F1 cars in his time. And uh, a Group C Porsche, which I think he did drive in, in the real world, with the Turbo car, which was an absolute nightmare, I thought, to drive with a controller in the first game. It was spitting you off the road all the time. You just could not get a handle on it. He said that the main problem they had there was the setup was fine, but it was the way the turbo was building boost between the gears. So you'd have the turbo lag in bottom gear coming out of a tight corner, and yeah, you do have to wait, and when it kicks in, it's going to try and buck underneath you. But he said after that, the way the rev range worked was the car was under control, and it was always in the right rev range when you change gear. So the Project Cars guys admitted that on the first game, they had that delay and lag in every single gear. So you had this problem of trying to hang on to the car every time you change gear. You had the weight and then it would almost spear off to one side and you're having to catch it every time. So just by fixing that, suddenly that car is really drivable and really fun to drive. And with the Group C car, he was driving it. He said, it's great, it feels, it feels pretty good, but he said, you've got the suspension settings all wrong. And he gave them a caster change to make. And then when they did that, he said, great, that's how it used to feel to drive. You've got it spot on. And yeah, the Group C Porsche is, is lovely to drive now. So those are the tiny, tiny details we're talking about, but they can make such a big difference to the finished article. How about the actual racing in, in single-player mode? If you're playing the career mode, how good is the wheel-to-wheel stuff? It's got um, something that more and more racing games are including. And again, I think it comes down to accessibility versus sort of your online game community that want much more um, hardcore racing. So you've got a slider, um, and I find that sort of even at sort of 50, 60 percent, they're not going to leave gaps for you to just fly through. They are going to fight back, and they're going to hold their line, and it feels quite real in that respect. The higher up you go, the more they are going to fight back and respond. So 
I think having that customizable aspect to it um, means you can set up a, a gaming style that really suits you as well. Yeah, it's great to couple um, a difficulty setting with the aggression setting. The guys have recommended that you can tailor that based on the discipline you're doing because people will be more aggressive in, say, closed wheel cars, for example. In terms of the AI, the the, the best race I've had on the game so far is actually a, a race where not a lot happened, but it, it happened in such a realistic way. I think we've all been in races like this where I was, I think, fifth in a GT3 race around Austin, the US Grand Prix circuit, in a Ferrari. I was in the, the cockpit view, um, which is brilliant in this game because it looks into the corners for you when you're approaching a corner. So it, it feels much more realistic than just peering straight out the front of uh, the windscreen. And I was chasing the lead group. The front couple had got away and I was chasing this guy for ages. And, and as tyre wear started to come in, I started to make up a bit of ground on him and I was trying to set him up for a run down the long back straight into the tight left and um, I'd finally got a good run out the hairpin that precedes it and I was shaping him up I was in the slipstream and as I finally pulled out he moved across on me I thought oh he's trying to defend from me that's fine I'll just lunge him what I hadn't noticed was that he'd caught the car in front of him gradually as well and he was shaping up to overtake that car so these are two AI cars going at it I'm now on the inside of a three abreast battle trying to outbreak the guy next to me and of course I do that I break way too late because he's trying to overtake the car next to him and I clatter into the first bloke and it's rubbish from me I completely accept that but that is a really realistic amateur racing accident someone's so focused on the one car that they're racing they've overlooked the fact that that person's also trying to race and overtake someone else so I think the it's the level of realism you don't necessarily need them to be banging into your your door handles or or cutting you up, or lunging you everywhere. That That's exciting, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's realistic. I think you can have, if you're prepared to be patient, you can have quite a realistic race develop around you because of the way they've set the AI up. So it's actually enjoyable from that perspective. It's not a chore to race. This is, again, coming back to my previous problems with some racing games. There's always that feeling of just it's a little bit of a chore because you're trying to get certain results, etc. But you can have a race there and have a legitimate accident, shall we say, and it's actually there's some satisfaction in that because that's that's racing. Yeah, I mean, it's very rare, I think, that you have an accident in a racing game where there's not a part of you thinking, well, you're, you're almost annoyed at the game for the way it's happened. You know, yes, if, if you make a stupid mistake and lock up and plough into someone, that's fair enough. But a lot of the time you're thinking, well, that AI car shouldn't have moved in the way that it did and that's why we've had the accident. I haven't really detected that um, so far in this game so that's that's really promising obviously if you turn the aggression levels up on the ai as you can i'm sure um, you get a few more of those but people have to make that choice for themselves having played a a range of difficulty settings and that as well i can comfortably say that every action i've had has been my own fault (laughs) far far too aggressive or being too too cautious and far too honest yeah (laughs) yeah you're you're not simulating a racing driver very well there no no well (laughs) someone who's not done much racing it's quite realistic really (laughs) exactly how about where it fits in compared to its market competitors? We reviewed F1 2017 last month. It's a sort of competitor and it's a racing game, but it's not really a competitor because it's offering something very, very yeah. different. It's, it's the F1 game. There's some massive big beast titles in that, in that bracket. So how, how does it compare? I think if you're a motorsport fan, and I'd imagine if you're a listener to the Autosport podcast, this game is more for you than those other mass racing titles that are out there because i do think that they are more focused on being driving games and car games rather than motorsport games 
this is the game we should we should all want. You know, a full almost a full representation of the complete world of motorsport and the options you can have to carry out various different careers uh, in that. So I'm really pleased that they've fixed so many of the issues that maybe people had with the first game because the first game promised so much and it was great to have someone attempting to do this type of game, but it, it fell short in a few areas just because I think it was maybe a little bit too much too soon for what was at the time maybe a slightly inexperienced developer um, certainly for the type of game they were trying to build. This time, it looks like they've got a lot more of those things right. There are certainly still areas that I think people are complaining about already and that hopefully there'll be patches to come. The guys were very good last time at trying to look after the first game for quite a while after release and hopefully they'll do a bit of that as well. But yeah, I think if if you're a hardcore motorsport fan, this is the one you should be leaning towards. I don't know what Tom thinks. Yeah, I think um, because of the way it does the career mode and trying to represent motorsport for real, it occupies a bit of a unique place in the market in terms of a lot of the sim argument will be the PC gaming side of it. And that's where Project Cars 2 will probably have a bit more harder competition. There's a lot more on that side. But when you're looking at the console side of it, looking way back sort of PlayStation 1 onwards, you normally have games that were just a championship. So Colin McRae Rally, World Touring Cars, all the way up to now with F1 2017. No one's really tried to make the effort to have a wide motorsport game on a console. And a lot of that comes down to just the generation of consoles we've got now. You can do so much more. But at the same time, I don't think there's many sort of more mainstream game companies that would look at that and think, yeah, we could do a wide spectrum racing. I guess there's a difference between being a automotive game and a racing game in that Forza Motorsport, for example, is a racing game. But the cars are there, but it's not creating championships in quite the same way in a real simulation way and it's, it's the Gran Turismo kind of yeah, yeah. The it's model. a different journey I think for the player yeah, exactly exactly. having things like um, Grand Prix tracks in Forza feels a bit more like a novelty in a game like that it's sort of look we can be a bit like a racing game whereas this is more this is a total racing game you're not going to have that road car experience that you have in Forza or other games criticisms things that are missing things that you don't like there, there are a few still um We've got IndyCar racing properly this time. Loads of 2016 liveries. We've got the Chevrolet and Honda aero kits for both oval and road course, which is great. As far as I'm aware, no real team or driver names, uh, so just the liveries. But that comes with uh, the Indy 500s in there, which is great. So you can do the full 33-car field at Indy. One downside is they've not had the chance to put full course cautions in the game. We asked them about this, and their response was that you only have a certain amount of development time you can spend on the game and they preferred to put more into the driving experience of Indy, which is a total change from anything they've done before. And they've done a pretty good job of it. You do have to build your way up in the way that we all saw Fernando Alonso do it um, when he was having his month of May experience uh, this year at Indy as a rookie. So that's good. So I'm kind of prepared to let the full course cautions one go. One I'm not prepared to let go is... You can't do mid-race saves. Plenty of games have got this. The F1 games had it for a while now. And if you're going to pride yourself on long events, such as a 500-mile oval race, the Le Mans 24 hours is in there and you can do it. You can race a full 24 hours. But you've got to do it in one hit. Um, you can put an AI driver in your car for a bit, but you've still got to leave the console running and all that. So I think having having those long-distance events, people are going to be less inclined to try them if they can't keep coming back to them 
in chunks and you're, you're just asking people to for too much really and i think that sh- that should be straightforward technology by now I think that breaks the immersion a little bit, not having the yellows and that side to it as well. And I think there could be a little bit of work done in sort of off-track immersion too. You've got this fantastic motorsport web career. Your progression, if you like, is through you clicking buttons to do it. There doesn't feel like there's much going on off-track. And an F1 2017, for example, has made a pretty decent stab of that with being, you know, a guy comes up to you and offers you a historic racing drive. And I think those are the sort of little details as well that can make it feel a little bit more like you're having a career mode. And I don't think it needs to be something that has an enormous attention and drive behind, but just a little bit that makes it feel like you are making progress in a career and that side to it as well. is It's, it's quite an important detail that could bring it to life, I think. Yeah, Tom's absolutely right. The whole career mode basically plays out through one email screen, uh, as, as far as I'm aware, which, yeah, is, is maybe a bit of a shame in 2017. The last big missing thing for me, it was missing from the first game and it's such a shame that it's not in the second game at the moment, is that you can't create your own offline championships. So they make a big thing of the fact that they call the game basically an open sandbox. So you can create any type of race you want. You can put modern cars on classic tracks. You know, you could take the IndyCar field and put them on the Monza banking, something like that. You can do multi-class racing with any classes of cars. So you could put single-seaters up against GT cars, up against LMP1s, whatever you like. That's fantastic. But then if you want to race a season, you've got to do it in the career mode where it's all predetermined for you. And I think if you've got all this fantastic customization let people loose of it and let them create their own series. And they've there's been quite a backlash to that online, and I completely understand that. I know these things are difficult, and it's very easy to just sit uh, on the outside looking in and saying, why haven't you done this, this, and this? But I think we've identified maybe a few core things that would make quite a big difference, and we are seeing being done in other games already. So you try not to ask for the earth or ask for things that may be impossible because no one else is doing them these these kind of feel like basics that you'd like to see in the game by now i guess game series like this are always a work in progress aren't they so this is something project cars three four five there's plenty uh, plenty still to gain from so let's hope this one is as successful as the first game was in terms of sales and that will mean that the team get another another chance to to build on what i think is a, a fantastic uh, very broad uh, representation of motorsport and Motorsport fans, I think we should consider ourselves lucky that a game like this exists these days. It's certainly aimed at the hardcore fans of a sport that we love. Uh, it's not just about the glitz and glamour at the top of, of the sport. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward now the game's out to properly get my teeth into it. Having a quick look around, it's been very well reviewed from what I've seen. There's lots of 8, 9, 10 out of 10 reviews, lots of 80, 90% reviews. So for, for our audience, where would we like to rate it, say out of 10? Oh, who's Ooh, going yeah. first, Tom? <laughs> that sounds yeah. like you're going okay. first, Tom. Yeah, I think probably an eight. I would say so. There's a really, really fantastic foundation there. Um, the level of detail and work that's gone into bringing things like Le Mans and Indy to, to life is just brilliant. But the things we've brought up are fairly crucial ingredients, really, that just aren't quite there yet. And you know, there is room to improve. But on top of that, I think we're in a bit of a golden era of, of motorsport gaming right now. The current yeah. console generation, what it can do is fantastic. Um, talking to the the guys with F1 2017, the level of data they're getting from teams and the way they're bringing that to life. And in the case of Project Cars, they're going to tracks and using drones and lasers to scan tracks into the game and bring it to life. There was a story about Knock Hill, how 
they did all this scanning and brought it to life and then they said that but locals know that there's only certain bumps that you'd never experience until you drive and the fact that those tiny tiny details can be put into a game just sets the standard so high now for video gaming with motorsport glenn tom's gone eight high or lower yeah i agree with the eight i think that's absolutely right i think that the little things that we've mentioned based on the improvements they've made from the first game if you had maybe the cautions working the mid-race saves and the offline championship, then you are looking definitely at a nine. Uh, I think it has to be marked down for that. And I'm not sure I'd ever give a racing game 10 out of 10 because that would have assumed that perfection has been achieved. <laughs> well, there we go. You're discrediting your own your own rating system. We'll play that back to you when you give a game 10 out of 10 a few years. One day. A few years down. When Project Cars 6 gets one, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be able to hold you responsible for it. Well, I think the verdict here is, and again, I've not played this game, but having listened to both Tom and Glenn, I'm going to be uh, placing my order and uh, having a go a go at it uh, at the next available opportunity. So thanks, Tom and Glenn, for, for joining me to give our listeners a bit of an insight into what Project Cars 2 might offer to what might be called a hardcore racing enthusiast. So yeah, we suggest you probably pick up a copy. In the meantime, keep checking out autosport.com for all the latest news and features from the world of Formula One, all other forms of motorsport. Our plus subscriber area for only 94p a week gives you the best in insight and analysis and opinion, all sorts of things to get your teeth into there. And also Autosport Magazine, out every Thursday. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You've always had what it takes to make it happen, and we know the right tools can make it easier. At Steria University, we're always thinking about new ways to set you up for success. That's why we give you a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program, so you can start off on the right foot and keep striving. Visit Steria.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Steria University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef. Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.